Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. Good morning. If you're blessed and you know it, can you say right on? Look at somebody next to you and let them know that you are blessed. All right, I'm pulling a timer out because I'm loaded today. I'm loaded and ready to go to war, but I don't want to wear your butts out so uh, or your minds out. That's what I mean. So I don't have nothing extra to say, so I'm just going to get to it. Is that okay? So my message today is titled, When Men Fight. Let me say it again. I want, to, I want, to, I want, to, I want it to get <clears throat> in your heart, in your mind. When men fight. Can someone say that title? When men fight. Say it again. Say it a little louder, please. So this message is directed toward men, but it's also uh, for women to know so that you have this knowledge and you're able to support and strengthen the men in your life. So 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, can you say when I became a man? Of course, men say that, not women. I put away childish Things. Can you say, I put away childish things? There is a difference when a man fights compared to when a child fights. Oftentimes, children fight over silly things, over things that really don't matter over things that doesn't mean a whole lot, that might be superficial. But when men fight, it's usually over a heavier matter, over a serious circumstance, over a Legit reason, because the outcome of men fighting can provide collateral damage, legal damage, physical damage. When children fight, there might be some cuts and some bruises, some scrapes, maybe a bloody nose. 
But when a man fights, and he fights with all his heart, and he fights with all of his strength, there's a bit more damage than some bruises, bloody nose, maybe some bruises and scrapes from rolling around. There's the absolute possibility of damage. So there is a difference between men fighting and children fighting. And the Bible is clear about growth amongst us believers going from a childish mindset to a mature mindset. Going from a elementary level that the Bible calls milk to an adult level that the Bible calls meat. Going from a boy into a man and not going backwards. And in the context of today's talk, talk, learning to fight like a man and not fight like a boy. So in scripture, we find many, many battles, many fights, many wars. In fact, from the mouth of the wisest man ever, in Ecclesiastes 3.8, it says, there is a time for war and there is a time for peace. In other words, there is a time to fight and there is a time to not. I want us to look at a, at a few men in scripture because I just want to lay down the context of serious fighting. And we're going to look at a few of David's mighty men as a base, as a foundation men. So I have, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 7, 17, excuse me. We're going to read a little bit and talk about each little section for a moment. It says, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. I'm going to butcher these names. Josheb, Bathshebeth, a Takemanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. One man, one spear, and 800 casualties. So what we see from this man, we see bravery, we see faith, and we see that he used his gift. What was his gift? His gift was a spear. Most times in scripture, you come across swords. But I love the fact that the scripture brings out a different type of weapon in this instance. Because it brings attention to this detail. He didn't fight 
with another person's weapon or in another person's way, but he fought with the gift that he was trained to fight with. Men, we need you to be brave. We need you to be full of faith. And we need you to put your gift to use so that we can have victory in our nation, in our society, and in our families. Starting in verse 9, next to him was Eleazar, son of Debai the Aohite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Posdamim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. It's a big one. The Israelites retreated. The Israelites retreated. Christians retreat. Church people retreat. Cowards retreat. Weaklings retreat. But, can you say but? Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Repeating myself, Israel retreated when they should have been fighting. But Eleazar, a man of God, a servant of David, chose to stand his ground when everybody else said, I'm out of here. Men, what will you do when everybody else says, I'm not fighting? We can't win. I'm too weak. There's too much trouble. There's too much risk. Everybody else is doing it. I'm too tired. I'm not trained. I don't have experience. What will you do when a battle is at hand? Will you stand your ground, trust God, or will you run away with your tail stuck between your legs and give the victory over to the enemy? See, God gave him the victory. But here's the thing, because we will always, 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 always have this. We will always have people that, we, that retreat. Did you notice what happened after the battle was won? The people who retreated came back to possess the spoils of the victory. This will always, always, always be. And this is why it's that much more important. If we, as men of God, don't stand our ground and fight the battle, there's going to be some blessings that our people will not get. 
Our children could be missing out on blessings. Our families could be missing out on blessings. Our communities could be missing out on blessings, not because they're not fighting, because we have not chosen to stand our ground and say, whatever it might be, I'm not going to back down, but I'm going to fight till death. Verse 11, next to him was Shema, son of Agi, the Horite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Again, the children of God fled away. You will always, always, always have people that is too scared to fight. That's why it's that much more important that we have a few good men that's willing to stand and fight. See, he fought in the middle of the field. He fought in an open field, which meant he was open, open to attacks from every side. The odds were against him. The fight was not in his favor. He was not only outnumbered, he was surrounded. And he had to fight as if he had eyes surrounding him. But he did not allow the odds to keep him from standing his ground. And if you notice, the Bible says that he defended the field, and the field was a field of lentils. So what does that mean? It meant that the lentils was his and his people's provision. It was his and his people's sustenance. And it was his and his people's blessings. Sometimes men, even though the odds are against us and we might be alone in a fight, we have to fight for blessing, we have to fight for provision, and we have to fight for sustenance for our people. Going to verse 13, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of the Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rapham. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well 
near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives and David would not drink it? Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. These three men risked their lives for the need of another. They broke through the Philistine line. They went to a well near Bethlehem where the Philistines were encamped. They retrieved water from the line, or from the well, excuse me. They had to come back through the line, which meant a second fight. There was bloodshed because of what David said, and they were able to bring the water back to David. They risked their lives for the need of another. They were successful, and what came out of it was worship. When David took that water and he poured it unto the Lord, it was technically a sacrificial worship. So these three men, in their victory, not only brought provision or a need being met, it also initiated and allowed for there to be sacrificial worship unto God. And the principle for us today is men, we have to fight for what's right, not just to meet the needs of people in our lives, but for also there to be worship unto God. When men choose to fight for what's right, God gives victories. See, the reason we are in the shape that we are in as a society is because a lot of men stopped fighting or started fighting for the wrong thing. Let me say that again. We are in the shape we are in socially because a lot of men, not all men, but a lot of men stopped fighting or started fighting for the wrong things. Why do some men stop fighting? Three things, three reasons, probably a lot more, but I'm only going to give you three. Scared. They don't want to deal with issues or conflict for doing what's right. Now, when I'm saying fighting today, I'm literally, I'm not meaning a literal physical fight with your neighbor. I'm technically speaking about standing up and doing what's right. You get that, right? I'm not telling you to go out and bust somebody's head. That's between you and God. So that's, uh, that's on you. That's not on me. Some men are scared to fight for what's right. 
Because when you stand up and you fight for what's right, there will always be recourse. There will always be an outcome, some good and some not so good. And some men are scared. Scared of conflict, scared of confrontation, scared of standing for what's right because they don't know what the outcome will be. They don't know what's going to happen. It's out of their control. Another reason is some men are selfish. All about personal gain. What's good for me? What I want? What matters to me? What makes me feel good? And so we have men that is so consumed with personal gain, they've let the real fight just go. The third one is sleeping. We have men sleeping instead of praying. We have men watching their phone instead of listening to their sermons, even here at church sometimes. We have people not awake to God's voice, not awake to God's directive, not awake to some of the injustices that is going on in our society. We have men sleeping. Now, in Scripture, good and bad comes from sleeping. There is a time to sleep. God initiated a day of rest. We see that in sleep, in Scripture. God moves. God gives visions. God gives dreams. But what's dangerous is when we are sleeping when we should be fighting. What could happen is what happened to a young man that fell out a window when an apostolic word was being released in the New Testament. So the apostle Paul was teaching. A young man was sitting in the window. The Bible says that he fell asleep. He fell from a three-story window. He fell and it killed him. So that is a literal thing that happened, but it is also metaphorical to us in the spiritual realm. If we're not careful, if we fall asleep when God is trying to speak to us, we can fall out the window and kill the calling and kill the heart and kill what God is wanting us to do. Now, luckily for the boy, and luckily because of God's grace, Paul ran outside, laid on top of him, said up to everybody that was looking out the window, the boy is alive. So Paul raised him from the dead. And thank God for grace, because let's be honest, all of us fall asleep sometimes. This isn't an excuse for you to fall asleep. But there is grace that God will send a man or woman of God to waken us up one more time. And what my prayer today, my prayer today is that if you 
as a man, if you have fallen asleep, I pray that this apostolic word from God today will aliven you, will waken you up and cause you to realize that we are in a time to fight and we need you to be men of God, not cowards, not tired, not selfish, not asleep, but rising up, rising up and fighting for godliness in our country. What are some wrong things we fight for? Now, let me explain. I'm not meaning you can't have these things that I'm about to say. We just can't pursue these things at the expense of fighting when we should fight. So again, three things. Things that we desperately fight for as men. We like to be comfortable. We like our pleasure, and we also want our personal, again, we want our personal gain. Again, I'm not saying that you can't get comfortable. I'm not saying you can't ever perceive pleasure. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, is what David said. And I'm not saying you can't have your eye on success or personal gain. But what I'm saying is we cannot fight for those and be so tired and so wore out from that battle that we can't even fight for a battle that really matters. It's kind of like this. Sitting back in our recliners, snoozing or watching TV, but our neighbor is being attacked. We hear it. We see it. We know the commotion is going on, but we're too tired or we don't care about the state of our neighbor. Could you ever imagine your, now, hopefully you cannot imagine yourself being that way. I can't imagine myself being that way. But spiritually, that's what some of us have began to do. We're tired from all the things we're fighting for. So when our neighbor's in trouble, we're too weak or too much of a coward to get inside and help outside and help fight, help them fight a battle. How do we become fighters? Take your phones out. You might want to write this down because I'm giving you a lot of stuff and I know it's going to go in one ear and out the next. It, it happens to me. happens to everybody. We have informational overload right now and it's very hard to retain words that is spoken for 30 to 40 minutes. So if you're going to remember anything, remember, number one, we all need to be men that fight. And number two, these next four points. I got to blaze through these because my third section, which is the last section, I really have to emphasize. Number one, we need as men to become worshipers. There's two types of worshipers. There's sacrificial worshipers and there's worship for pleasure. Or there's two types of worship in scripture. 
Sacrificial and pleasure. So as an example, looking at the temple, the first thing that was done in the temple, it was on the outside. It was an animal, animal was sacrificed unto the Lord, and it was called a burnt sacrifice. I've taught this, and I've said this multiple times over the last few weeks. For us, that means that we're to be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And that means us not doing the things that we want to do in our sinful nature. Amen? You remember that. The second form of worship is at the altar of incense. It's simply lighting incense that the Bible teaches is a sweet aroma unto heaven that brings pleasure unto God. It is just worship because you love God. There's no sacrifice to it. You are in love with God. You are grateful to God. You honor God. And so you delight in him because you love him. As men, we need to be worshipers through sacrifice, but we also need to be worshipers by pleasure. Number two is we need to do what we are called to do. We need to carry our cross and we need to exercise our gift. Your gift might be a spear. Your gift might be a sword. Your gift might be a slingshot. Your gift might be an, an axe. You get the point. Whatever your gift is, whatever God has given you the ability to do, whatever anointing is on your life, whatever talent is on your life, whatever supernatural opportunity that God provides for you, Whether you want to do it or not, whether you feel like it or not, pick up that cross, die to your flesh, and do what God is calling you to do. Number three is being men of word and prayer. Being men of word and prayer. Being men of word and prayer. We have to be in the word, men. You may not be a scholar. You may not have the mindset to sit down for hours and study the word. That's okay. I'm not. I have my own way of studying and listening that fits my ADD mind. And guess what? A lot of times I don't feel like it. I've never been a reader. I always like looking at the pictures in the magazines, not reading the articles. But I know I need the word. My life depends on it. My calling depends on it. Being a righteous dad and husband depends on it. Whether I like to read or not doesn't matter. Where I got the, 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 the capacity to, to, to uh, uh, remember things doesn't matter. I know I got to get the word of God in me or I will not be the man that God has called me to be. And thank God we live in an age to where if you don't like reading, you can listen. And if you don't like listening, you can watch. And if you don't like watching, you can come to church and get it all. 
There's no excuse for you not to get the word in you except for your own complacency or laziness. You can have the word playing when you're getting ready in the morning. You can have the word playing when you're driving to work or driving home. You can have the word playing when you're sitting on the pot. You can have the word playing when you're eating dinner. You can have the word playing when you're exercising. Instead of playing Metallica, play the Bible when you exercise. The reason I say Metallica because that's weightlifting music right there. Like, There's no excuse. Prayer. Prayer. You communicating to God. And when you communicate, you having an open ear and open heart to receive communication back. And I want to say this. Men, we need you here on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights has been more of a night that we focus on prayer. Yes, we start off with, with, with a little bit of word. We have a little bit of music, but the emphasis is prayer. Praying for the needs of our community. Praying for the needs of our church. Praying, and I'm trying to figure out ways we can even make it better on Wednesday nights. Women, we need you too. I'm not, I'm not put, pushing you to the side. This is just directed toward men. Men, we need you here on Wednesday nights. I know you're tired in the middle of the week, but we need you here praying. Because prayer changes things. The fourth thing is standing up for what's right when the need arises. There's a time when you need to keep your mouth shut. But there's a time when you need to stand up and open your mouth and do whatever you got to do to stand up for what's right. Standing up for what's right in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships with your friends. You do have to be wise. Like you can study out the Bible. Like if you think about it, like Nehemiah, he worked in the Babylonian system. And he had issues. He was struggling because of what his people were going through. But he just didn't spout out to uh, to the king about these issues. If he would have, he could have been killed. Or he could have lost his job. But the king created an opportunity for him to say exactly what was going on with him. And when he was given the opportunity... He stood up in wisdom and and he stood up in boldness and he declared the problem. And he was given favor from the king to begin the restoration of Israel. So my point is this. I'm not telling you to go out and all of a sudden just let it rip and roar and not use wisdom. Because there's been people in the past from the church that has not used wisdom. And because they did not use wisdom, they hurt people, they condemned people, they judged people, they ostracized people, they caused people to look at them as as somebody opposite of the love of God. So you got to use wisdom. But when an opportunity rises or when the need is called for, you should be willing to stand up and fight as a man. 
And I've been going 34 minutes. My goal anymore is 30 minutes. I'm not meeting my goal today. I'm going to try to finish this less than 10 minutes. Because the ending is very important. It's the reason why I've said everything that I've said prior to this moment. We are, as men, the gateways. Men and women, from the beginning, muchas gracias, have always been different. Different in our physical makeup, different in our mental design, different in our emotional state, and different in the roles that we feel here on earth from God. One of the roles that has been placed upon man, Adam, is the role of a gateway, a doorway. Through us comes blessing and comes curse. And I got proof. John 10, 9 says, I am the gate. This is Jesus. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pastor. So Jesus was speaking as a savior, but he was also speaking as a man. I am a gate. Some version says doorway. When you look at the Greek, they mean the same thing, gateway and doorway, entry and exit points. So you remember in one of Paul's epistles, Jesus was considered the second Adam. And through him came life, came blessing that the first Adam lost. But the first Adam was a gateway and a doorway just just like Jesus was a gateway and a doorway. But Adam lost the life and initiated a sinful nature for the rest of humanity to have to deal with because of his one sin. When God came into the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, who, first of all, who, who committed the sin first? Eve. But who did God go to first? Adam. As if he was responsible. Now finished. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man... One man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because of sin, or because all sin. Skipping to verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one's men, one man's offense many died, much more by the grace of God, the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So what we see right here is the first Adam was a gateway 
to a sinful nature. The second Adam was a gateway to a redeemed future. And they both came from men. When God established his nation that was going to develop his people, that would be a gateway for blessings of the Old Testament and blessings of the New Testament and blessings for the life to come. He built that nation off the back of 12 men. There was daughters in the family, but the nation was built upon 12 men. Why? Because those 12 men became 12 gateways to blessings and to curses. When Jacob died, he did not call his daughters into the room. He called his sons into the room, and he gave each and every one of them a blessing that was not just for them as an individual, but it was for them and their tribe to come. Why? Because the row of a man is the row of a gateway. I'm still not finished because I really want to prove this to you. Deuteronomy 5, 5, 8 says this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Get this, get this. Visiting the iniquity or judging the sins of the fathers upon the children of the fathers. Can you say fathers? Of the fathers, judging the sins, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children for the third and the fourth generation. It didn't say, now some versions, because there are some versions that take scripture and they take him out of the context of the original writing. There are some versions that says parents, but that is not what the Hebrew meant. The Hebrew meant men, fathers. Why? Why is God judging the third and fourth generation because of The father, because the father is a gateway. But thank God for grace. Let me finish it. I don't want to leave you with some doom and gloom. Verse 10 says, but showing mercy to thousands. When you get inside of the interpretation, it actually means thousands of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. So guess what? You might come from a family whose men of the family did bad things. And truth be told, you might have some struggles that you deal with right now because of their past sins. But if you are a lover of God and if you follow the commandments, just like it says right here, you are saved by grace, the curse is broke, and you are not judged by the curse of your forefathers. Praise be to God. I would be cursed for lust. I would be cursed for substance abuse. I would be cursed for violence in my family history and a whole lot more. How many know you don't just got one skeleton in the closet? We got a bunch of skeletons in the closet. But I am free from perversion. I am free from violence. I am free from substance abuse. And I am free from all the other junk that my forefathers did in my family history. But do you know why I'm free? 
On my dad's side, because my dad, a man, stood up and he broke the curse and he became a gateway of righteousness. Why am I free on my mom's side? My granddad and my great-granddad was men of God that choose to be brave and to stand up for what's right and die to their flesh and to be righteous men. They broke the curse and they became a gateway of righteousness. Do I struggle because of them? Yes, I struggle because of them. Did they struggle because of their fathers? Yes, they struggled because of their fathers. But God has given us a free will. And the Bible says, men, choose today, blessing or curse. And I choose to fight for righteousness so I can bless the curse in my family. Oh, I ain't getting enough amens from men. I know this, I knew this message was loaded. And I knew it would bless some, challenge others, and offend another. If it offends you, so what? That's between you and God. If it challenges you, I'm here with you, brothers, to walk with you man to man, to go through the valleys of the shadow of death, to go through the highs and the lows, to go through the the victories and the failures. We're not all going to get it right, but as long as we keep fighting, as long as we keep doing what we got to do as men, the curse will not be victorious, but we will be victorious with our families. Amen. I haven't preached at you like this in a while. I've been like calm and collected over the last few months. In my ending, if a man stops fighting for what's right and accepts sin, status quo, complacency, the list goes on then the generation after that man could possibly be a generation that sleeps, generation that's cowards, a generation that's complacent, a generation that is not a lover of God. Men, we have to be worshipers of God. We have to do what we're called to do. We have to be men of word and prayer. We have to stand up for what's right. I'm not judging nobody here today. If I was to judge you, I'd be judging myself. Sometimes we hit home runs and sometimes we strike out. And sometimes we land somewhere in between. But we have to... Make the choice in our heart. Make the choice through our actions. 
that we're going to fight for what's right. Regardless of the outcome. I have a good amount of men here today. There's some of you here today that I'm, when I saw you, I was like, thank Jesus, you brought them here on purpose. I don't ever know what I'm going to get from you guys. Like, when you're here for a month and then you're gone for a month. Like, like you, 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 you stink and stress me out. Like, I, I, I try to find out where some of you are and you're like, oh, I'm at the beach. I'm in the mountains. I overslept. Football game was on. I just didn't want to come. My point is, I got a lot of you men here today. This was orchestrated from God. There's a reason you're here. Because God wants you to be fighters. Whether you're a young man in your teenage years or whether you're an old man in your 70s and 80s. Or you're somewhere in between like myself. God has called us to be fighters. To be fighters. To stand up for what's right. To do what's right. And to keep pushing through. For our families for our communities for our church for ourselves our nation needs men that doesn't scare the fight righteous Christian God loving Christ following Amen. If you're a man here today and you say, Pastor, whether you are or whether you're not, but you say, Pastor, I want to be a fighter for God. I just want you to come and stand across the Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.